Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. You're listening to The Sound of London. This is Londonist Out Loud. I'm in Quentin Wolfe. The East End is our destination for this week and indeed for next week too. We welcome back a veteran guest of the show, a friend of the show, Rachel Kolsky, along with Louis Burke. She's co-authored a book all about architecture and as we know, architecture is a great starting point for a whole lot of stories. It'll come as no surprise to you to learn that there's a lot going on in Whitechapel. Hey baby, let me take you down to a place of strange sights and sound. You ain't never seen the light before, just a stone throw from your front door. Yes, today, Rachel Kolsky said that we should meet up outside Whitechapel Tube Station. And uh, we've spent quite some time debating where Whitechapel Tube Station's entrance currently is. <laughs> we found each other, but not necessarily in the place we thought. Good morning. <laughs> thank you, and thank you so much. Yes, hello everybody, it's Rachel here, Rachel Kolsky, and I'm joining in today for a little perambulation around Whitechapel, linked to a brand new book called Whitechapel in 50 Buildings. And the thing about Whitechapel at the moment... It's changing. It changes every week. So, uh, great guns then. We met up. Hello. Yeah, you're right. It's like whack-a-mole around here. The buildings are popping up and it's like a graphic equaliser, the skyline. <laughs> and so what's happening with Whitechapel Tube then? Because the, the big entrance in that style we know and love of tube stations all around looks like it's being held up by pneumatic props at the moment. <laughs> yes, it's literally all change, all change at Whitechapel. And Whitechapel Tube is actually going to be part of the Crossrail. Anybody that either works in London or lives in London cannot have avoided the blue hoardings that sort of have cut this wall, the great wall of Crossrail across London. And um, it's really going to be the most phenomenal transport transport hub. Whitechapel Station, until quite recently, was one of these delightful old tube stations with lots of ups and downs. And you really felt you were going back in time and you'd come out on the main Whitechapel Road, opposite the magnificent frontage of Whitechapel Hospital, also known as the London Hospital, now the Royal London Hospital. More of that later. Yes, now we've we've been on tours of the East End before. We've looked at women. Uh, when I say we've looked at women... <laughs> yes, please. Oh. Careful, careful what you say, please. <laughs> um, and uh, the, the people who've shaped the East End in all sorts of interesting <laughs> ways. Do go back and, and check that out if you've not heard it. And we've recorded before, uh, just before the Olympics. And yeah, we were in Spitalfields. Yes, the posing with, with Mandeville. Yep. in Spitalfields. We're going to go the other way today. 
Yes, what we're going to concentrate on today are buildings. Although, of course, Rachel being Rachel, a couple of ladies might pop into the conversation. But this time we're looking at the buildings that are very much shaped uh, Whitechapel. And uh, I should really say, I suppose, before we begin, what is Whitechapel? Whitechapel, for everybody, I think often it's synonymous with the East End in the sense that if you said to somebody, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm researching the East End, I'm going to go and explore the old East End. The hub of the East End was very much this area in and around Whitechapel Station. So when Louis, my co-author, the photographer, and I were considering what is Whitechapel, the first thing we had to do was really sit down and set out our little map. So um, we hope our Whitechapel is what most people will consider Whitechapel. There's always blurring at the edges whenever you think of an area. But mainly Whitechapel Tube Station is the the centre, I suppose, from what from where we radiated out. And we should name that book, of course. It's called Whitechapel in 50 Buildings. Yeah. And it's published by Amberley. And um, it's filled... But basically, we've chosen 50 buildings which, for us, capture the essence of the history of Whitechapel. So we started right back at the beginning with Whitechapel Bell Foundry. And we ended at Shoreditch High Street Station, which some people might think, well... Why Shoreditch High Street Station? Because that's because it's brand new, only opened a few years ago, at the top of Brick Lane, so near Shoreditch, but basically it's very much now a new gateway into Whitechapel. So we start with the Bell Foundry, end at Shoreditch High Street, and in between there's just a delightful, what we consider to be a delightful selection of, of, of buildings, capturing really all the different elements of life in Whitechapel, past and present. I'm conscious as we start recording here that the thing that uh, many people coming on your tours might have in the back of their mind when they're thinking about Whitechapel is, uh, you know, that fella. Oh, yes, absolutely. And to be honest, everybody, I've taken N here to uh, the very first building we're going to sort of look at, or I'm going to show him, um, is on a road called Durwood Street. But back in 1888, it was Bucks Row. And the reason I've brought him here is actually to show him one of my favourite buildings in London and it's not just one of my favourite buildings in London it's one of my favourite types of building and it was built in 1885 and it was Bucks Row School. A quick quick description we are looking at a great big uh, cube. Yes (laughs) relatively unornamented it's got some nice arch windows but the the whole thing is notable for not being notable. Uh, Lovely chimney though notable for not being notable and when I look at that building when I look at that building I just love it, I love everything it stands for Um, What does it it stand for? Well, it was um, Cubes (laughs) It was built um, in the 1870s as one of the London School Board schools, so um, what happened was, very briefly, in 1870 we had an education act that became known as Forster's Education Act where elementary education had to be made available to all, it wasn't free the education, but it had to be made available. And um, a couple of thousand school boards were established around the country, and of course the biggest was the London School Board. And um, they set on a very ambitious building programme to build schools for all these hundreds of thousands of children that needed schooling. The East End of London was actually the first area they started building schools because uh, that's where the greatest need was. And when you look you can always spot a London School Board school. They either look like, as, as, as it was so beautifully described just there... So Cubes. A cube and unadorned. But there are two kind. There are lots of little motifs that always help you spot them. One, they tend to be red brick. Two, they either have a gabled roof, or in this instance, uh, the Bucks Row School had a, had a flat roof, which was, of course, used as a playground, because these huh. schools were built 
often in very crowded areas with streets of houses around and there wasn't room for a playground. So that would be where the kids uh, would, would play. So this explains the high perimeter fence around the roof. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, there was a chap called um, E.R. Robson and he was brought in as the chief architect for the London School Board and he designed around 240, maybe even 249 schools. The other thing that I love as a guide is that the schools usually had a sort of a relief on the outside with the name of the school, usually named after the street in which it was, and usually a date when the school was was built, um, which is always incredibly helpful. What's happened subsequently is on a lot of the buildings, the reliefs and the dates have been taken off. Absolutely shameful, but that's what happened. What do you mean taken off? Um, I suppose with refurb over the years, they, they've just been removed, so you can't huh. always see them. And um, the other thing is that often there's been quite a lot of renaming of streets in London over the decades and so sometimes a school might have a name on its relief when it was built which doesn't match the name of the street on which it's on so it's a little bit confusing sometimes but I love everything I love everything they, they stand for Could, a lot of them just have... before you go when you say that provision of education wasn't necessarily free and obviously there was a huge need for education around here how did that work if people have got no money it's all very well having a school there but what did they do to get into it? Well, there were other schools. There were uh, charity schools, you know, uh, 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 schools run by um, sort of the church. You know, they, they often allowed the children to go in, in free. Don't forget, in the 1840s, there were the ragged schools uh, commenced. And it wasn't really until sort of the late 19th century, early 20th century, when um, then elementary education had become free, that you sort of lost all the ragged schools, the charity schools, etc., etc., because we had, I suppose what I knew as state education when I was a child we all went to school and it was all it was all free uh, having having been paid for by by the taxes um, a lot of the schools these board schools have been knocked down uh, often in the wrong area totally energy inefficient those that have remained have often been transformed into flats so this school that's very school is now flats now called I think Trin- Trinity Hall and of course you get these very double height rooms where you have these kind of mezzanines for the beds sticking out because the rooms are so high well of course I mentioned that this is now Durwood Street and it's Bucks Row School well in 1888 yes this was the site of the finding of the first victim of what's been known as the, the Whitechapel murders and the name of the street was changed um, not that long afterwards I think about four about four years afterwards because to prevent you know ghoulish tourism you know to take away the associations although I have to say there's plenty going on here you've got uh, the new exit to Whitechapel station which you know I remember a few years ago nobody ever came out of Whitechapel station only people really going to the hospital so it was only people in slings and casts you know it was always I always thought it was an odd area why was everybody why was everybody sort of demobilized in some way and then because I'm a bit slow sometimes everybody and then I suddenly thought of course it's a hospital Rachel everything and of course you've got lots and lots of porter cabins here for the cross rail activity i was quite interested to look at the uh, architect's projection of what the cross rail site is going to look like here and it seems like they're covering a lot of the roof space with grassy areas yes Uh, it all looks a bit uh, legoland (laughs) i don't want to get political i don't i mustn't get involved with these architectural plans you know when people are now redesigning large complexes of of building now in London there's lots of things which I think often people consider a little bit tick boxy and often that is you know landscaping greenery and making roofs look nice you know what's happening we never used to see roofs 
We, we never used to see this. Now, as buildings get taller and taller, and we all go up to the observation areas, we look down, and actually what we used to see quite recently was just, like, air conditioning units and the tops of the buildings, because nobody ever saw them, never looked good. So, actually, a lot of the ideas the architects have to cope with now is people are now seeing things from above not just from below well so i wonder if the architects are planning to do what the school wonder, people did we can all have play hopscotch and yeah, exactly like that. yes why not let bool. us exercise we can have bool hopscotch croquet there's lots of things that's a very particular lifestyle you're imagining <laughs> <laughs> get you <laughs> absolutely 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 remember to whom you're speaking <laughs> well, yeah. well yeah. shall we shove on yes absolutely we're going to go back now and walk a down the alleyway by the new entrance to Whitechapel Tube. Past bagels and waffles. Finding ourselves on now Whitechapel Road. And we're swinging a left, are we? We're going to swing a left. So what we're going to do now is we're going to... We're hitting uh, Whitechapel Road and we're going to turn left and we're going to look at the um, original exit to um, Whitechapel Tube. And, um, and there's a delightful little building next door which has recently had a little bit of renovation on the outside and is gaining a whole new sort of group of... a whole new audience, let's put it that way. Working Lads Institute. Now, listen, if you know Whitechapel Road, then you'll know that what we've just walked out onto is a bazaar, really, a street-long bazaar, where you can buy saris, T-shirts, mobile phone covers. Yeah, and a little bit further on, there was usually, I don't know if it's still there, but there was a guy that used to sell mattresses, and I was absolutely enthralled by how this poor chap, when he got up in the morning, had to pack up his lorry with mattresses, bring them down to Whitechapel Market, unload them, display them... And then if he didn't sell them all, he then had to take them all back again in the evening. It quite fascinated me. And there was also a chap who sold giant fish. You know, these giant whole frozen, frozen fish. Oh, frozen. Yeah, that fa- yeah, yeah, frozen fish. That fascinated me as well. But yeah, it's mostly fashion. Uh, mostly fashion now. But the area really hasn't changed that much because today it's a very Bengali um, uh, market. I mean, we're in the London Borough of Tower Hamlets where they say that 38% of the population is, is Muslim. But, of course, if you'd come here you know, just over 100 years ago, in the late 19th century, early 20th century, this would have been a very uh, Jewish, Jew- Jewish market. But it's always been a market for locals. It's not the type of market that people will uh, come from afar to say, let's, let's go and, you know, for shopping. No, Whereas, this, is, this is stuff you need, isn't it? This is uh, everyday, everyday things, things that you need. Luggage, scarves, clothing, mobile phones. And now what we're doing, over to our... Uh, across the road over to our right-hand side is the amazing frontage of the Royal London Hospital, but we're going to go and visit that uh, shortly. But um, we're approaching, on our um, left-hand side, the uh, original entrance or exit to Whitechapel, Whitechapel Tube. And uh, what you used to do, you came out of Whitechapel Tube, it's a delightful building with these lovely brick arches. I don't know, it's just, it's just gorgeous. And then uh, you'd come out and there'd be a, a crossing right opposite... And then you'd cross over to the to the hospital. Was it a staggered crossing? Sorry. No, that's a bad joke. Oh. Um, so oh. the thank you for trying to that. The speechless. <laughs> the beauty of the frontage is somewhat diminished by the horrible stainless steel panels that have been slapped over some steel girders, and there's a concrete mixer whirring in the background that you can hear. But it's going to be transformed. No gain without pain. That's what I was. That's the way I was brought up. No. Well, so what is the gain going to be? It's going to be, they're going to renovate it, so it's going to be, um, I believe it's going to be an exit um, again. But to be quite honest, I'm going to wait for, 
when, when I see it, I'm going to then then use it. But I believe they're going to have an exit here. Again. Oh, here's a, pic- so. here's a picture of what they're doing to the area. Just opposite the old station entrance, we can see. Where I said, I hope it's going to become an entrance exit again, you can actually see it's a beacon of light on this. There's an amazing sort of computer-generated photograph we're looking at, and uh, we're standing outside the old entrance, and there you can see some light coming out. So people will come out, and you can also see that they're going to put in another road crossing. So as you come out of the uh, tube, you'll go straight across a road. road All right, so this grassy thing, uh, (laughs) reaching out of the back of the station is what appears to me to be uh, perhaps a pedestrianised... might be a pedway. Yes, it's very undulating. It is undulating. Everybody, if you can't picture it, it's undulating. So not suitable really for my croquet or my ball, is it really? No, and it's got the the grass on the top. Well, it doesn't look to me like you're going to get any public access up there. It looks like like the access is beneath it. It's very thin. It's It's quite narrow, I should say. It's quite narrow. And I have to say, I was looking at the picture and I was thinking, look, people have been playing tennis and their tennis balls have landed on the roof. They're little yellow balls. But actually it's the pin... It's the pins sticking the pictures to the boarding. Do we trust this tour guide? Never. Here are the giant tennis balls of Whitechapel. <laughs> so what we're looking at now then, is this delightful building, built in 1885. And, you know, when people walk at ground level, usually people are just looking to the left or their right or they're looking into their phone. But, you know, a number of people, you've probably met plenty of them, that say you should always look up watch where you're going but always uh, look up as well because often particularly in buildings that were built some years ago there's usually a motif on the building that reminds you of why the building was was built and here outside the main front doors you've got this beautiful sort of little pediment above the it's quite a large front door and it says lecture hall and if you look over to your right hand side you can see gymnasium and swimming pool also written in big relief letters and then if you look right to the top it says working lads institute and you know those words are so important because we um you know we think when i was a child people went to youth clubs today young people know have fun as well but you know basically we went to school and then we went to our, our youth clubs when you see these kind of words working lads institute it's a reminder that actually teenagers boys and girls for that matter were going to work and any institution that was made available for them whether it was ed- additional education whether it was recreational whether it was cultural that was always after they'd done a, a full day's work and and it's absolutely true the boys would, would do a full day's work doing whatever it is they, they were doing and then come along here to have their minds and bodies in, enlightened there was a lot of a lot of work was done with young people in the East End to build their constitutions up. You know, if you're indoors all day long just working, often you have little spindly legs, you know, pasty faces and whatever. So football, um, ball games, anything, recreation, whether it's just drill or, or gym in the gymnasium, it was to, to build them up, to, you know, to, to make them a little bit more sturdy, I suppose. For, for which we now would have PE classes. I mean, it, yeah. it is remarkable as soon as you think about it, isn't it, that uh, historically speaking, the idea that everybody deserves an education is something that's appeared in, in historical terms in about the last ten minutes. That's right. And this Working Lads Institute was set up by a merchant, you know, called Henry Hill. And again, you know, we sometimes talk about the people whose names resonate through the centuries and the names we might know an institution we might even not know what they did but there were lots and lots of people who made a fair bit of money and they just wanted to put back into society and when you see a building like this 
you then can start to peel back the layers and you come back to this individual. He actually found it quite difficult to maintain the cost. I mean, it's very expensive to maintain an institution. So he actually then put feelers out through um, religious newspapers, looked at the Church of England, for funding. And then a chap called Thomas Jackson came in with with, with funding. So just today when we hear about the difficulties of funding, it's nothing nothing new. So when Um, when did this stop being that? It moved, I think, in the 40s to Tulls Hill. Hill, And now it's a block of flats. Although the work for the Working Lads Institute, there's a mission just across the road. There's there's still a lot of social need in this area. And, you know, the Salvation Army is still doing a lot of of work here, etc. And so the legacy of this Working Lads Institute is still happening today but under the guise of another organisation across the road which I think what we should do is cross the road en route to crossing the road um, if we look along as we walk along Whitechapel Road and we look to our left hand side you'll see shortly some lovely shop fronts and um, the frontages have sort of been have sort of re-emerged after years in the in the wilderness they've spent um, when I say they I should say really a lot of money has been spent recently on neatening up and prettying up Whitechapel Road. It was left a little bit forlorn. And at the time of the Olympics, four years ago, you know, East London was on the map and people suddenly start, looked at it in a different way and they could see that it had been left alone for far too long. So some money... It's a very good project, actually, in this area, of looking at all the buildings. There's a website now where every building along this stretch has been catalogued. So you can go on the website... And, um, and sort of find the address and it will tell you about the building, you know, what it, it's used uh, now for. So really opening up this area to a wider, to a wider audience. That's a good they, social document. Yes, well. even if they can't visit the area. And here you've got these lovely, well now they're what I call frothy coffee cafes and things, but you've got, you've got a coffee you know, a coffee store with frosty coffee and posh bread sandwiches next door to Raj Mahal sweets. And this is the glory of Whitechapel. You've just got everything. Was, side, it, was this not side. a creepy pub before? I beg your pardon? Was this a creepy pub before, or no, am you're I imagining that? There's a pub uh, further on. Is that the blind beggar up there? Yes, much uh, further. We're not going that far. We're not going that far. But the blind, the blind beggar is in, is in the book. So when Louis and I were selecting... Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Which buildings represent certain types of building within Whitechapel? Uh, the pub we chose was the Blind, was the Blind Beggar. It's probably the most, probably the most famous. But really, as much as anything, it's such a fantastic building. You, you know, so it made a great photograph. Louis took a lot of time and trouble with his photographs, getting up at six in the morning, you know, to get the right light. And uh, we're going to cross the road, but I just want to point out a very different building. And it's straight ahead of you, and it's this blue and green glassy building. And this is an idea store, which to everybody else would be a library. And uh, Tower Hamlets, um, London Borough Tower Hamlets, noted in the late 1990s that people weren't going to libraries. The library, the concept of library just wasn't resonating with the new demographic of the area. Which is actually surprising given the importance of the library in this exact area. That, that's right. But, you know, maybe a new demographic, you know, a whole new po- population. So what they decided to do was abolish libraries in inverted commerce. I don't forget everybody, I'm a librarian by, by profession, uh, so I you know, struggle with that concept. But what they decided to do was then build brand new what we would know as a library but they rebranded them idea stores the idea being that you go in and if you have books or dvds all forms of knowledge that sort of you know percolates ideas ideas within you what do you think of that um, as a concept, yeah. well, the number of people that would visit these idea stores is far more than the number of people that ever visited uh, the library. So it seems to be working. They, they've included, of course, a cafe in every idea store. That always helps, you know, give people a cafe. But um, they, they have become community centres in, in many ways. They have events, a lot of outreach to local people, adult education, people who might be, you know, who might need additional assistance, you know, for access to, to words and reading and, and literature. So, um, and the other thing that they've done, because they tend to be very modern contemporary architecture, they have far passing footfall. You know what I mean? They, they tend to encourage people to go in. Whereas the old style library, I mean, which typically I, nobody will be at all surprised to hear that I, I adore that uh, brick and stone and whatever, often that can be intimidating to people. So these new buildings are a little bit more inviting. Let's, let's put it that way. Yeah. I wonder whether the vast array of languages that are being used in the area would be responsible in any way for putting people off a, a monoglottal library. No, I, I don't think so, if I may be so bold as to say, because when why, the, the library that this green and blue and, and, and sort of translucent glass building replaced was the Whitechapel Library up by your Getty Station. Now, that's an old-fashioned, old-fashioned inverted commas of a building, but that became known as the University of the Ghetto. Mm. And the area, it was opened in 1892, it was a very Jewish area. The language in most of the people's homes at that time was Yiddish. But the, the young people, the children, went to the library and they had access to the best of world literature in English but also there was a very big collection of Yiddish literature at Whitechapel Public Library so this and the same way today there's a big collection of Bengali 
you know, uh, uh, literature and, and Somali literature as well. So, no, I think it's ever been that, you know, the White Shuffle has always been a sort of a, an amazing mixture of, of different languages. So I don't think it was that. I think maybe, you know, people would just work it and they had too much on their minds. They just had to make ends meet. You know, there just wasn't, wasn't time to go to the library. I think I've identified the building that I would like to see a facade put up in front of to disguise, <laughs> to disguise its hideous aspect. <laughs> Thank you, Anne. I'm not going to. I am not going to comment. What we're going to do is find. Oh, go on, comment. <laughs> we're looking across the street here. It looks like a 1960s special to me. Oh, it's the post office, is it? Yes, it's the post office. If you just, as we've just crossed. Now, what's going on here? You've become very political suddenly. No. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not saying a word. You know, there are some buildings where you could say they're not the most aesthetically pleasing. Yes, I, I can think of a building, building that would match. Yes. And the post office on Whitechapel Road does fulfil that criteria. Now, you seem to be stopping. Is this, is this part of your policy to never badmouth anything? I'm not saying a word. <laughs> I see, OK. Buildings, buildings are never ugly, and well, They can only be look, controversial. Look across the street, will you? It's likely that it wouldn't have been built today should those plans have been put forward. Okay, my mission is now to get you to damn a building. (laughs) (laughs) Under we go, under the vast 1940s chandelier from space that is the idea store. (laughs) And in many respects also, you know, the... The original library that became known as the University of the Ghetto for the Jewish for the Jewish East End. You know, when people lived in overcrowded conditions, to go to somewhere that was warm, that was dry. You know, all that heat, all that heat was provided provided for you. It was was really really useful. You're kind of talking me into it. Actually, it's pretty chilly today. <laughs> so it is it is chilly today. But what we're doing, actually, we're walking down past uh, the buildings that used to be the um, Man Crossman and Paulin Brewery. Absolutely magnificent frontage yeah. with a with a clock. There's the most amazing sort of image of a, a man on on a horse, and there were lots of breweries here. So obviously on Brick Lane, most people have come across Truman Brewery. Um, then you've got the Man Crossman and Paulin well, Brewery. This isn't what you think then, of when you think brewery, though, is it? I mean, it's much no. grander. My attention was drawn to it by the fact that cutting Cobbles. across the pavement are these. Yeah, these cobbles. The cobbles leading in. Leading be- behind these ten-foot gates, yeah. which conceal quite a lot of the frontage of yeah. the brewery. From because there was brewery and there was all the managerial buildings as well. So and all the drays would be going in here. Yeah. And the brewery, today it's the Albion Health Centre. And again, when, you, when you're ex- exploring London, names always give you a clue. And it was known as the Albion Brewery. So it's now the Albion Health Centre. But if you were researching the Albion Brewery in Whitechapel, this is where you'd come. And a bit further down, we're not going that far, but towards Mile End and Stepney, is an anchor retail Centre, and it was the anchor brewery for the Charrington family. So you know you've got Truman's, Mancrossman and Paulin, and Charrington's, um, all all in a relatively small area. Which again is a reminder, what with all the all the delivery vans for horses and carts, you know the breweries. It was actually a deeply smelly smelly area. And and look, here are the mattresses I mentioned. Oh yes. You see, can you imagine waking up in the morning and thinking I'm going to load. I'm going to load my van and go down to the market. And you've got to load how many beds and mattresses? And they're, That's a they're king size as well. Yes, yeah. So it's now the Albion Health Centre. I wanted to find a way to get my, uh, my joke in. Can I try and do my joke? Absolutely. And now you can organise a check-up in a brewery. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> That's not even going to edit in no, very well. No, no drop that. No, but a good try. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, here we go. We're at the Blind Beggar now. And, you know, the Blind Beggar pub is a very well-known family pub now. It's got a gorgeous, a gorgeous garden. But, of course, it has its associations from the 60s with the um, notorious Cray, Cray brothers and the murder. There was one, one murder. Was it a bad yeah. spot apart from that? Sorry? Was it a bad spot apart from that no, one murder? No, no. Not, not really. Oh, was it, you know. was it a, the place where all the hoods went? Not as far as I know, not as far as I know, but I think there are lots and lots of pubs. I mean, you've got another pub, the White Hart, right across, right across the road. Um, I, it, it, let's put it this way, the Blind Beggar, I don't really think, had a, a bad reputation at all. It's just gone down in notoriety because of uh, the, correct, the murder. It was in 1967, wasn't it? Blind Beggar, of course, is such a lovely story. I mean, this, see, Ken, this is what's so wonderful about White Trouble, the juxtaposition of these stories. So you've got the blind beggar it's the pub that everybody's everybody's heard of but the blind beggar is this wonderful lovely story of the blind beggar of bethnal green who had a beautiful daughter you know and uh, the suitors came you know for her hand in marriage but nobody wanted to marry her because she had this blind beggar for a father until finally somebody said i i want to marry i want to marry you irrespective of your poverty and lo and behold the moment you know he agrees to marry her you know the blind beggar isn't a beggar at all he's you know he's a wealthy gentleman it's just and it's um very the weird beggar, wealthy gentleman yes it's the blind beggar of bethnal green he was blinded in a in battle and um i think it should be called the weird wealthy man of bethnal green the weird wealthy man of bethnal green yeah. go for it go anyway for sorry it. he was blinded then, in battle yeah well, hang and, on i thought you said he wasn't blinded Oh, no, he, was, he, he wasn't, wasn't a beggar. He just wasn't a beggar. Ah, right. Just wasn't a beggar. So, so you've got this lovely juxtaposition of these two very different stories here at the Blind Beggar, and it's also a beautiful pub, you know, in, in, in its own way. And then across the road, before we go to the hospital, I just want to point out one of my favourite blocks of flats. It's uh, Ansel, Ansel House, built after the Second World War, because this area of London, this part of Tower Hamlets was the London Borough of Stepney, and Stepney lost a vast amount of its residential housing, not just houses, but whole streets got sort of annihilated in, in the Blitz. And after the war, when um, rebuilding took place, sometimes it was blocks of flats, sometimes it might have been a, um, a, row of, you know, a small row of houses. What they did, they often picked names of people who had died during the Blitz and named the new housing after them. It's a lovely idea, it's a lovely way for a family's name to be commemorated. And this is Ansel House. Uh, members of the Ansel family had been killed, killed in the Blitz. That must be a tough choice to make if a lot of people have been killed at once. I, I, truthfully, I truthfully don't know how they made the choice. So I know in some instances if somebody was well known, so like just off Hanbury Street there's a block called Velasky House and Velasky was Alderman Velasky, uh, so sort of a civic leader in the area and he had died in the uh, Hughes Mansions tragedy of 1945. So Velasky would have been known but some of the others, I don't know whether it was names out of a hat, who, who knows, just down the road from Ansel House are some uh, small-scale houses, and they're called Ehrlich Cottages. And again, the Ehrlich family, mm. you know, had, had died. But I, I think it's, it's rather nice, in a way, to commemorate those people who lived here and sadly didn't survive of the Blitz. It sounds as though that is representative of something that was going on in the area, This, <coughs> the naming of the buildings and the, the fact of the buildings. The buildings themselves, to my eye, aren't particularly lovely. I mean, they're, they're nice enough, but is there something architecturally there that you're, you're seeing that sets them apart, or is it the story that they represent <clears throat> well I think in one way it's a story they represent but secondly I, I rather like Hansel House I, um, I love the big windows I love the, the stone balconies that look 
the, the, both uh, practical and safe. Yeah, they you, do you know that. Yeah. Sorry, you know, uh, and um, there's, I don't know, there's something, the clean lines, it's, uh, it, it's, it, it's on its way to looking a little bit 1930-ish, but it's not 1930s, you know, and I'm a fan of those clean lines. That, that, that's that what I like about them. That wouldn't be out of place up in uh, Hampstead Garden suburb. Yeah, I don't think so. I think you're right. Well, so. just a little further down the road there, we can see next to several very tall chimney stacks some of those railings. They look as though they might be about the same size as the ones on the school and they seem to be cordoning off a large area of roof space. Is that yeah. another school? It's, it's a different kind of social housing. We're going across the road so I can quickly uh, point them out. So we, we can't cross yet because the man is red. I'm conscious that over the back of the uh, PFC chicken emporium, we can see the dominant blue of the new hospital buildings. You can indeed. But that's the glory of Whitechapel. You've got the old and the new, and somehow they still manage to exist side side by side. There we go. Also, if you look down to your right-hand side, you see the buildings of the City of London. And this is something that always fascinates me, because the East End was always right next door to the City of London, but nobody could ever see it. You know what I mean? You probably never even went there, and you, you, never, you, you, you couldn't see it, because no buildings were tall. And, now, and it's the same when you go to areas of Docklands, you know, or in other parts of East London. You can see where Canary Wharf is. But, you know, the docks were always there, but you didn't see them. You didn't know where they, didn't know where they were. Do you know by the time this is broadcast, we'll have a president sorted out? Oh, I, yeah, I know. Well, maybe. You're right, actually. I was in the city of London on Sunday morning, and we passed, um, we passed Trump, Trump Street, and uh, not far from here, in Mile End, there's a Clinton Road. And wasn't it you that put it on? Somebody on Londonist put it on? Oh, not me. No, oh, somebody on Londonist uh, put it on. They put uh, the, a photograph of... Clinton Road and Trump Street at the, at the top, at the top of their of their web blog. <laughs> well, I mean, we could really go for it here, given that everybody listening will know the answer. Who do you think is going to win? Oh, you know I'm not political. <laughs> I think it'll either be uh, Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. Okay. But I'm not quite sure which I'll one. I'll hold you to that. <laughs> I've been talking to my American friends, and you know, and I say to them, "Could you please try and explain to me, you know, what's going on in the American election?" And they just turn to me and they say, "Well, Rachel, if you can explain to us, what, what, the, you know, about Brexit and Remain, you know, and, and so we both just decide that neither yeah. of us will say anything at all because it seems that we don't really understand <laughs> what's going on in our respective countries." You explain uh, electoral colleges, and we'll explain the offside rule. <laughs> We're down Sydney Street now. Yeah, so we're on Sydney Street. Should we hide around the corner just here so in the top So basically, what we can do... You see, here's the glory of Ansel House. If you look now oh, across to the back... Oh, this is beautiful from this angle. Yeah, thank you. Ah. So this is what I love. What, what you can see, really, are these beautiful sort of um, rounded balconies around the back. Each yeah. flat's got this wonderful little rounded balcony. And then you've got this lovely sort of vertical narrow windows with glass going into the stairwell and um, I don't know it's all all rather all rather fabulous can they they not turn it round this side's much better could you have a word with someone (laughs) that's the thing about discovering London isn't it the people that go off onto the side streets get rewarded by sites that people on the main road don't see that's that's exactly why we we do this and then what you can see just across the road uh, that massive bulk of red brick housing that you that you spotted you might also be able to spot if you look down the road. Can you see the coat of arms, uh, yeah. City of London? And um, 
when the city of London was expanding um, Spitalfields Market, I think in the 1920s, uh, they had to rehouse some people, and so they were rehoused here. Wow. So that's why it's incorporated the city of London. And then uh, Sydney Street that we're standing on was famous. The bottom end, we're at the northern end. The bottom end was famous for the Sydney Street siege of 1911. You know, sort of gone down in the annals of sort of not just East End history but London's history. You know, you, you can't imagine London's history without it. I think it was really one of the first big events that was uh, on newsreels. You know, that really captured uh, media. Yeah, you know, kind of media rolling coverage. news, wasn't it? Yes, rolling news, and it was all very, very exciting. You know, with gunshots and Winston Churchill there in his fur-collared coat. You know what I mean? The, the, it's quite, quite amazing. Apparently everyone Sadly, was telling him to clear up as well. He wasn't yes, wanted there. He wasn't, well, he was just loitering. He wasn't <laughs> loitering with intent. He just wasn't doing very well, much. I think he spotted you know, a photo of Yes, and he, and he got it. And he got it. Anyway, let's walk towards the station. The building, by the way, where the siege took place was demolished. And I think at the time, um, there was a, a, you know, a small campaign to save it, but it was deemed of no historical importance at the time. And in fact, when the film was made about the siege of Sydney Street, they actually had to go and film it in Dublin, because Dublin, some streets in Dublin seem to emulate the, the Whitechapel streets of the early 20th century better than Whitechapel itself. So there you are. We are passing an enormous building made entirely of uh, uh, grit-covered concrete blocks, and it's called the Paddle Club. I'm hoping Paddle. that's table tennis. Yeah. P-A-D-E-L. Oh, I see. Yeah, not paddle. Uh, yeah, as if, that's just for the listeners. So it's paddle, P-A-D-E-L. It might be padel. Well, it might be, but, <laughs> but uh, my interest is entirely taken by something else I've seen, which is a banner for whistle punks axe-throwing. Yeah, I know. I know the mind boggles, doesn't it? It's something to do maybe at the weekend. Axe-throwing. Well, I'm tempted to drop this interview yeah. like a hot potato like and, and rush in and do some axe-throwing. I, th- I think you should. I think you should. Oh. It's Pebble Dash, everybody. And we, when we, I was a child, our garage at home had Pebble Dash on it. And my sister and I used to spend our days picking the stones off. And Mummy and Daddy would <laughs> constantly tell us off. And do you know, the more they asked us not to pick the stones off the Pebble Dash, the more we did it. That's not surprising, is it? So, so we could chart your growth as the missing Pebble Dash rose Absol- up the building. Absolutely. If you see a stone missing from a, a, a wall of Pebble Dash, it's Rachel reliving her childhood. Well, that, that hospital, uh, we've just turned the corner now, and thank goodness there's something to distract me from axe throwing. <laughs> this hospital is much bigger than I realised. Yeah. What a colossal structure. All, uh, if you haven't seen it, all decked out in blue glass, and it's not a uniform colour. It uh, gives the impression of being underwater, actually. There's a few turquoise panels and some white ones, and what looks suspiciously like a meditation garden halfway up one of the smaller <laughs> yes, buildings. There's a sort of a very, uh, sort of a curvy roof, you know, sort of, you know, to make you feel relaxed. The whole complex, a lot of people, when they see it, they think, oh, what on earth was demolished? Oh, oh. oh we're standing on a trick <laughs> paving slab. <laughs> Moved. A lot of people, when they see it, because it is absolutely vast, is they think, well, what, what was demolished? You know, they, they can't quite picture what was there before. Were there streets of houses? In fact, no. The, the, the London Hospital, Whitechapel Hospital, now Royal London Hospital, over the years had, um, 
had developed sort of ad hoc, you know, a new building here, a new building there. And so basically, the only buildings that had been demolished were buildings that were part of the hospital. They were just buildings that maybe you can't even picture. Nobody really visited them. If you did go into one of them, some of them were research buildings. So actually, it's still the footprint of the Royal London Hospital. They owned a huge estate. And in fact, I've met a number of people who were born and brought up in the East End, in this area at Whitechapel. And I'm always asking them, where did you live, this, that and the other... And, um, and they tell me, and often they lived in um, houses owned by the, the London Hospital. The, the London Hospital was their, was their landlord. So helping to fund itself? Absolutely, absolutely. And some of the little streets on the other side. So we're now walking back. So we're now walking back towards the city, you know what I mean, back towards, and sort of westwards. Um, some of the little streets still survive uh, with a few, few of the houses as well. But when we go inside, there's a couple of things I want to show you, which is sort of between the, the front of the building and the new back building, a few things. And then I'll take you through the hospital and then you can get see very clearly what's left of the original buildings. It's, it's quite an amazing sight. And it's one of these sites that one has to see now because it's going to change, obviously, quite, quite radically. My heart for and there'll be more from the East End next week. For this week, thanks to Rachel Kolsky, thanks to, to Louis Burke and Bernie Barkley. Theme and incidental music was by Songs from the Howling Sea. I'm Enqua de Wolf. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.